What's going on, Dregs? Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you guys. Um, what's going on? Uh, not a ton. I mean, there's obviously big events going on happening with the World Juniors and mm-hmm. all of that. Leaf game tonight with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, things heating up in the NFL, but i got to tell you, thanks to the World Junior Championship, uh, I've been relatively low-key over the last several days. So tonight it kind of <laughs> kicks into high gear for me because um, – We've got insider trading tonight at the podcast earlier today, which we recorded. Uh, what else have I got? I've got a Jets game. They play the, the Flames tonight. So my holiday season is officially over. Well, hopefully you enjoyed it while you had it. What, like, what do, is there much work that goes on for like insiders th- from Christmas till New Year's? Because technically the trade freeze ended, what, on the 28th, 27th, 28th? Like does, yeah. does, does it pick up right away after that, or is there still some lingering? People kind of wait until the holidays are over, maybe after the World Juniors. No, I don't think they wait, Mike. But you know, uh, what you'll see in the month of January are discussions that that heat up. But that has more to do with just the games that continue to tick away in the regular season, and the fact that the March third trade deadline is approaching, and you, you get a better handle on the sellers. Um, the buyers is a little bit more tricky because any team that you know believes when they're at the 50, 60 game mark that they've got a realistic shot at a playoff spot, well, maybe that turns them into being a less conservative team and more into a buying mode team, right? Uh, but you, you've got to have a partner to do that. And the partners right now, as we look at the standings, are pretty obvious, but only obvious in the bottom third of the regular season schedule and standings. So, you know, there's a bit more time, but that general managers who have been engaged in conversation, um, whether you're looking specifically for a defensive piece or you're looking to bolster what you have up on all of that, they would have stayed in communication with the GMs that they've been talking to uh, through the roster phrase, and they'll continue that game until it kicks into another level, which is beyond tire kicking and having conversation and then actively having a, a trade conversation or a negotiation and for many teams that they're not there yet. So one of the teams that instantly became an interesting team, I suppose, to kind of watch now over the next month or so, six weeks maybe, I think is the team that's in Toronto tonight, the St. Louis Blues, because they got word that Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko were, were, were placed on IR and they'll be out for four to six weeks. I mean, how much could the next six weeks with those guys out impacts their approach to the deadline this year? Yeah, well, look, it's definitely going to impact their approach. Um, you know, now you, you have an opportunity to play other players in different uh, positions. You know, you get a higher look at, at how younger players or, um, you know, players who have, have kind of fought their way to, to find a, a better foothold, if you will, you know, up front especially, will get more responsibility and more opportunity under Craig Grube because he can't lean on Ryan O'Reilly or Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, in terms of, of trade impact, I don't think that it has any negative influence on what Doug Armstrong and the St. Louis Blues are going to do. I might touch on this tonight on insider trading because, look, those two names have been out there for you know, basically all season, right? I mean, you look yeah. at their expiring contracts and it becomes pretty obvious that they'd be trade targets. And you look at where the St. Louis Blues are and the fact that, you know, that lineup needs a little bit of tweaking. It does. You know, can they reinvest in Ryan O'Reilly or Tarasenko for the future? What I know is that 
Armstrong realizes he's a veteran guy. He's got lots of time. And, you know, just to, to rewind here a little bit, when I said that I don't think that their injury is going to have any impact negatively, I believe that. Um, and, in fact, it might help the process along. Hmm. You know, O'Reilly's out several weeks, but both these men are going to come back probably as close to 100% healthy as you can get. And so any team that's most interested in either one of those players is going to get some fresh talent injected into their lineup. And with Ryan O'Reilly especially, uh, you get a fierce competitor. His numbers haven't been great this year early in the season. You know, he was very self-deprecating in his analysis of his game to that point. But this guy just knows how to win and doesn't know how to play any other way other than hard. So there'll be a lot of teams with interest, certainly in Ryan O'Reilly. It's just, again, Doug Armstrong is an experienced general manager. He's looking at the calendar here early January and thinking that March 3rd is miles away. So they'll probably want to talk to the agents and get a sense as to what they may or may not be looking for um, and then make you know an informed, educated decision on what direction is best on the trade front as you get closer to that deadline and their return. Well, it's interesting you say that because we were having the discussion, Luca and I, just in the last segment as we were talking about the injuries here to St. Louis. And, you know, I think about Toronto. Obviously, it's a Leafs lunch show, so it's the first thing that goes through my mind. I know Ryan O'Reilly's been a name that a lot of Leaf fans have been talking about as a potential trade target. But what kind of I thought about was Toronto went down this road a couple of years ago with Nick Felino, where they traded for that guy who was supposed to be that veteran presence but was coming off of an injury and never really got fully healthy. Do you think that might scare off uh, uh, Kyle Dubas or, or some other teams just because they've been bit by that before? Not scare them off, but, you know, I, I don't think that Kyle Dubas wants to trade away, you know, good draft picks, like high-end draft picks. Um, and we can appreciate why. And, you know, Nick Felino is is part of that. But I think that, that Dubas and, and many other general managers, if we're specifically targeting Ryan O'Reilly here, uh, will want to get as creative as they can be. And this might be an opportunity for a team like Toronto. Um, because, I, you know, look, most managers, when you're pulling, pushing away on a player of this significance here because of an expiring contract, you know, yeah, you're, you're looking for futures in that deal. That's pretty obvious. Um, but what are futures? Is that a young NHL player? A uh, young player who's not solidified at the NHL level, but shows promise? Um, and if that, if the answer to that is yes, that's what St. Louis is looking for, because they don't feel like they need to go on a full rebuild. Maybe, as I said, it's more of a renovation, some tweaking. Then maybe it does fit Toronto with some of the younger assets that the Maple Leafs have that maybe they're willing to get creative with and, and all of those things. So, um, if, if, if you're purely looking at draft picks, yeah, I mean, Dubas and others around the NHL are probably getting tired of throwing around first round draft picks that, you know, just the, the deal doesn't materialize. You don't go deeper than you have in the past. So there'll be some reluctance there, but I think there's still a strong appetite to improve the roster. I'm not as convinced. Look, again, if or when Ryan O'Reilly is officially in play, uh, I'd be shocked if Toronto didn't make a pitch, I'd be shocked um, because he'd be such a nice ad. Uh, but I still think as we're having this conversation on Leafs lunch today, that Toronto is still more interested in improving their blue line than they are going out big game hunting up front. Um, I think they'd like to add a forward. I really do. That's not a surprise to anyone. 
But I think that their priority is still on the blue line. We're talking with TSN Hockey Insider Darren Dreger. Um, we're talking about trades, and I, I know we want to bring up the World Juniors and Connor Bedard, but be be remiss to ask you about Alexei Lafreniere, former World Junior star. Things just have been weird in New York for him. He was a healthy scratch. Do you think yeah. teams have started calling on him? What could a potential price look like? Like, What's your take on that situation in New York and if his time there might be coming to an end? Yeah, I, I'm not in that camp. Okay. Um, and and it's only because, you know, do the New York Rangers really know what they have or they don't have in Alexei Lafreniere yet? Um, you know, because of where he was drafted, you know, there, there felt like there was uh, an automatic expectation. He had to jump straight into the National Hockey League. And you look at Capo Caco is another one, one-two picks here. Um, and when I watched Caco play at the Men's World Hockey Championship prior to that draft, I was convinced he was going to be an impact <laughs> NHL player as soon as he stepped into the league. That's mm-hmm. how hard it is. That's how hard it is. So if Chris Drury is going to entertain it, look, no question about it. Teams are calling. When you see a young player like that, um, healthy scratched, you'd be remiss as a general manager, if you didn't inquire, to, to find out exactly what you've asked. You know, what is the appetite for change here? It just feels like the Rangers need more time to assess. And, you know, if they're going to make a trade between now and March 3rd that involves Alexei Lafreniere, doesn't it feel like you've got to get a top pick coming back? Seems pretty obvious to me. Uh, and what's the guarantee of that by March 3rd, unless you're dealing with Chicago Blackhawks or, you know, the, the 29, 30, 30, and 31, 32 picks uh, or, or teams in regular season standings. Um, so I feel like there's just more time needed to see how this thing develops. Hey, guys, look at Jesse Pugliarvi in the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. That guy has been traded 25 <laughs> times in the last two years. Yeah. And credit to Kenny Holland, who, yeah, he's listening to trade. I mean, I'm sure he's had 50 calls on, on Pooley RV over the last few years. But nobody has gotten to a point where it's worth moving the asset because you'll see Pooley RV level off, and then he'll have a, a nice game or a stretch of good games. You know, okay, well, he's bought himself some more time here. I, I think that'll be the case with uh, Lafreniere, at least on the short term, between now and March 3rd. Uh, we're chatting with Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey Insider. And uh, well, you mentioned that you've been able to sit back and, and watch the Bedard show at the World Juniors over the last couple of yeah. days. And I mean, have you like seen anyone command a tournament the way that Bedard has here in the, in the last couple of weeks? I mean, just when you think that he can't impress you anymore, he goes full McDavid, goes through three guys last night, and wins the yeah. game in overtime. Like, what more can you say about the the talent level of Connor Bedard? Yeah, well, look, I'm I'm always reminded, and and honestly, we haven't seen a performance like this in a while. You know, this this is just pure dominance, and the points speak for themselves. You know, now he surpasses Eric Lindros for the top point getter at the World Junior Hockey Championship. Um, you know, it's 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 just how he executes and initiates, and it is McDavid like. Uh, I'm hesitant to use the word generational. It certainly applies to Connor McDavid. It certainly applies to Austin Matthews. It certainly applies to Sidney Crosby. Does it apply to Connor Bedard? Not yet. Not yet. We need to see him at at an NHL level. 
And when he gets there, and if he's able to do what we saw last night in overtime against Slovakia, okay, um, maybe my opinion <laughs> changes. Uh, but what I know is he's he's caused a stir uh, among many NHL clubs. Uh, I I you know I don't want to disrespect Adam Fantilli or or any of the draft class of 2023 because it is a real good and relatively deep class um, and really strong on the top end of that right. Uh, but, again, we, we, we just need to see more. And there's such a huge step from junior hockey, even though it appears, obviously, he's the best in junior hockey. And with respect to Fantilli, I mean, many wondered whether going into the World Juniors, Fantilli would be able to close the gap. And, and based on what he's done in the NCAA, I mean, this guy's a terrific talent, too, oh, yeah. right? It just hasn't worked for him as dynamically as it is for Connor Bedard. But Art is, 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 he's in a special class. And as one NHL executive uh, reminded me this morning, when it comes to the 2023 draft in June, he's in a class by himself. Um, so I look forward to, to seeing more. I look forward to seeing what he can do in the semifinal and hopefully the gold medal game. And then I look forward to uh, seeing what might happen with the Regina Pass, the Western Hockey League, and that January 10th trade deadline in major junior hockey. I mean, you guys are probably probably following this, but I mean, there's lots going on around the Ontario Hockey League with yeah. you know pretty significant trade. So it's unfortunate that we got to talk about what's going to become a Shane Wright and all of that. You know, is Brant Clark getting sent back to the Barry Colts and all that because you don't want to be part of the distraction of what's going on at the World Juniors. But it's hard not to. I mean, these teams have to do a business, even though you know we're all captivated by what Bedard and company are doing on that world stage. Those trades are always crazy too. The junior hockey trades, where it's like, oh, it's like yeah. eighteen second Eight. round picks. It's <laughs> nuts. I can't even imagine what what Connor Bedard is going to fetch if he oh, if he God. does get dealt. We talked a lot about Bedard and rightly so. But has there been another player outside of him that's really impressed you this tournament? Whether it be someone that's improving their draft stock going into twenty twenty three draft, or um, a prospect for a team that they're really excited about in their performance so far. Yeah, I mean, you could you could look at a few for sure. Uh, I was a fan, and, and, and I'm more so now of Dylan Gunther. I think he's going to be a real nice player. Uh, the goalie, Melich, um, I didn't know much about him. Maybe you guys knew more than I did. I knew that he went to the Minnesota Wild Camp, um, undrafted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, has he been flawless? No, but he oh, the has overtime been, last night. Well, that, that honestly... <laughs> Like, but that, you know, we talked about the, the Connor Bedard moment, which was spectacular. I mean, he deeped around three Slovakian players, including a forward twice, I think, before <laughs> he ended that game in, in overtime. But that doesn't happen unless the goalie makes a ridiculous yeah. save. So he, need, he deserves credit for that moment. And, you know, the goaltending after the Czechia game, the loss in the preliminary round, I mean, they, you can't tag the goalie there. I, there were a couple of sketchy ones, and then the rest of Team Canada kind of pulled apart at the seams, and then they found a way to regroup very quickly after that. But goaltending has, has been a strength for Canada, really has. So, you know, that's for me what I, my takeaways are. When I see a drafted player on the world stage, and I'm going to point the finger a little bit here at Shane Wright, I think he's had a good World Junior tournament. Um, I think he's an effective player. I still want to see more out of him. I want to see more before I'm convinced that he's NHL ready. And, and that's why there's a buzz around him and, and the potential of going back to, 
the Ontario Hockey League and maybe temporarily Kingston, and then he'll get shipped off <laughs> somewhere else. So, you know, those are the things you look at from the drafted guys, and I think for the most part we've seen that. And then you look at, at some of the other stories that make that, that team and the World Junior so special, whether it's in Canada or around the country. And uh, the Canadians have uh, at least one real good story, and that's the goal. You have to go along with Bedard and others. Yeah, I've been really impressed with the Logan Stankov. Uh, he's he's had a terrific tournament um, playing up there and you know catapulting that that top line alongside with Bedard. Uh, speaking of impressive players, though, Dregs, Austin Matthews now just one point shy of 500 for his career could become the fastest Leaf to do it. Um, could yeah. do it tonight in Game 445 against the Blues. But right behind him, we got Mitch Marner, who only needs three to get it done. I mean, how like special is it that Leaf fans get to watch two special guys, two guys who could go yeah. down as some of the as two of the greatest Maple Leafs of all time, kind of playing together here alongside one another for so long? Well, to be honest, it kind of puts a smirk on my face, um, and and not because of of how quickly. Ott Matthews is getting there. More about Mitch Marner. Yeah. It still blows my mind at the negativity and the criticism that is thrown at this kid. It, it just boggles my mind. And of course, it's it's always. Sorry, Mike. I'm back. I have to clear my throat. Oh, it's all good, Dregs. All good. But I mean, it's, Mitch. It's always contract related, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's always specific to that, so I say I it, it puts a smirk on my face because that's what I remind you know some of the guys when I'm not working I'm watching a hockey with who, who start this narrative again I'm just like look at the numbers just look at the numbers and then you know call me back and and once you've had time to digest what do you think a player of that magnitude who continues to deliver. Uh, and is as productive as Mitch Marner is consistently is going to fetch on any team in the National Hockey League. Exactly what he's getting paid because he earned it. So I, uh, I, I'm not, I mean, you have to be impressed, maybe not surprised because one feeds off the other. And even though they don't always play together and of late haven't played a lot together, you know, they're just, they're, they're two of a group. Um, that have taken a bit longer to develop as that group, not Marner and Matthews, obviously. But we're also seeing, you know, incredible years from others, right? And, and how much of that has to do with Marner and, and Matthews? You know, I'm thinking of William Nylander. Yeah. You know, this kid, like, we talk a lot about him, and I'm not saying he's not getting enough credit, but he has elevated his game. I, and, the, and the best case, and, and the best thing here as the takeaway for me, Matthew still has another gear that we haven't seen. Yeah, that that was something he that, has I, another I, gear. That was yeah. what I want to bring up to you because you know when he was playing with Matthew or with Marner, it was like okay, he had, he's not scoring yet. But then they made the sw- the shift. He started to score a little bit, but it's still not really coming at five on five. Like we haven't seen that barrage of goals, that explosion of goals that we've been expecting to see. But to be honest with you, Dregs. I don't mind it because I feel like he's still playing some of the most effective hockey that oh, yeah. he's played because you yeah. look up and you look at since those two have been together, I have the numbers here. They've been unbelievable like that duo. You've got William yeah. Elander has uh, 17 goals in the 21 yeah. games that they played together. I mean, he's got 10, like he's just setting up Nylander. He's like, that's fine. I don't have to score as long as we're getting goals while I'm out there on the ice setting them up. I think he's really yeah. rounding out his game this year. 
I, I, I agree with that, and, and this is not a criticism. What it is is an acknowledgement of uh, how special a player Austin Matthews is. You know, it, it's kind of a similar sort of conversation that many of us had about uh, Connor McDavid going into this year. Could he score 50? Well, the, the immediate answer is, of course. Um, but then there are those who, who follow the Oilers more closely who say, yeah, but Connor doesn't worry about that. It's, it's not about the goals. It's about helping his team in different ways. So it's more about the team success than it is the individual success. Of course it is. Of course it is. But that doesn't mean that McDavid isn't capable of scoring 50. And based on how he's playing and the numbers he's putting up, 50 seems pretty obvious at this stage for me um, for this for, for for where he's at, you know, again, statistically. Um, but that's why I say the same of Austin Matthews. It's not a criticism, but there have been nights where it just felt like Matthews was ready to throw the team on his back. You know, like, just, this isn't going into overtime, boys. Uh, let Drop the puck, let's get at it. I'm ending it right here. We haven't seen as much of that this season from Austin Matthews as I was expecting. But I do expect we are going to see it this season because that's what he's capable of. Uh, one, one, uh, one more for you, Dregs, before we let you go. I believe the last time I spoke to you was, was just before the holidays. And uh, we were chatting, and you wanted to see Kelly Earncroft up on that second line. You ended up getting your wish, I guess, for Christmas. It happened. Um, and he's been very productive ever since he's been back from that injury. He's got three goals, seven points in the five games yeah. since returning. Uh, what have you liked about his game and his fit on that second line there with Tavares and Marner? Well, just a little bit of everything, right? Like He's not afraid to retrieve pucks. He's a smart hockey player. The IQ is there. Um, he's got offensive upside, but he's very responsible. So he's safe there. Uh, you know, look, some players can, can have immediate success when they're pushed higher up into the lineup because they're playing with better players. But to sustain that spot, to lock it down for an extended period of time, that then becomes the challenge. Can you do it on a consistent basis over a 15- or a 20-game run? Um, we need to see that. But I think Yarncroft is, is certainly capable. I, I've liked his game, and I'm not even a little bit surprised that he's been as productive as he is. Appreciate the time, as always, Dregs. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and hopefully things don't ramp up too quickly for you. You can still enjoy a little bit of the holiday. Uh, I know that. It's coming. And then you get into uh, All-Star break, which is nice, because yeah. I'll go out west spend some time at our lake property, but... Then it grinds into full steam ahead in mid-February. So. Oh, yeah. It's all good, man. I'm looking forward to 2023. Yeah, should be a good year for all of us, let's hope. And uh, we'll chat with you again next week, pal. You bet. Thanks. All right. There he goes. Darren Dreger, a TSN Hockey Insider.